Good morning, everybody. My name is Chris Rowley. If you've never had the chance to meet me, I get to serve here at Calvary as one of the elders. And uh, my full-time job is that I get to be the director of Bridges, which is uh, a ministry that reaches out with the love of Jesus to people from all around the world. So I'd love to talk with you about that if you're interested. But we're here this morning to jump right into Ephesians. You ready for Ephesians? We're in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, as you know, we've been going through this book of the Bible all summer, and we've been learning, my goodness, there's a lot of stuff that God has for us as a church. Can anybody agree? There's a lot of stuff that God wants us to learn as a church from the book of Ephesians. And today we're going to dig into this topic of unity. And if I was on my own to figure out how we were going to be unified as a church, we would be hopeless as a church. But God's Word, the Bible, has so much to teach us about how we can be unified as a church in this day and age. Now, I don't know if any of you enjoy camping. I love camping with my family, and I love tent camping. Any of you gone tent camping before? A couple people. Tent camping is a whole lot of fun until it rains, right? When it rains, the rain finds a way to kind of seep its way into the tent, and you start off with this nice, dry, cozy, comfortable tent. And before you know it, the, the inside of the tent kind of feels like the outside of the tent, right? It's all wet, it's moist, it's damp, it's uncomfortable. Now, we live as a church in a very contentious and divisive culture. Can we agree that we do? You've read the news this week, right? We live in a divisive culture, and if we're not careful, that culture, just like the water kind of seeps into my tent when I go camping, that division in the culture can very easily seep into God's church. And we don't want that to happen, and God doesn't want that to happen. And so God has given us this incredible book of the Bible called Ephesians to help us navigate how we as a church can be united in a season that's very not united. So let's jump right in. We're going to look at verse number one to verse three, and we're going to see three steps towards unity that God would have us take as a church. Step number one this morning is this. Let's live up to our name as Christians. Let's read verse one. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So in the first few chapters of this book, we learned that God called together this multi-ethnic community of faith, and, and it's called the church, and God wanted them to be united. And now Paul is writing to that church, and he's saying, hey, church, live up to the name by which you've been called. Live in a way that is worthy of the name of Jesus. Now, doesn't it drive you crazy? I don't know if you've ever had this happen. You don't have to tell me if this has ever happened to you, but... Have you ever had someone in your family, someone who shares the same name as you, they do something that really brings a whole lot of shame and dishonor to you? I mean, imagine if you were a kid and you found out your mom and dad had been funneling a ton of money from this orphanage so they could go on fancy vacations and buy yachts and fancy cars. Wouldn't you want to kind of distance yourself from the family name a little bit? Okay, at least you'd feel tempted to do that. Well, as Christians... Sometimes people who bear the name of Jesus do things that bring some dishonor to the name of Jesus. Has anybody ever seen that happen? 
Now, it would be really easy this morning, sitting in Trumbull, Connecticut, for all of us just to point our fingers south to Washington, D.C., and find some politician that says that they're a Christian, and say, hey, those people, they're not living up to the name of Jesus. They're bringing great dishonor to the name of Jesus. Or we could find some well-known Christian pastor who did something that brought dishonor to the name of Jesus. But the reality is, this morning, God doesn't want us just to sit here and point our fingers at other people, because this book of the Bible, Ephesians It was written to ordinary Christians, people just like you and me. And to ordinary Christians, just like you and me, God says, hey, step number one towards unity, don't do anything that brings dishonor to the name of Jesus. I mean, if the Connecticut Post is going to write some report about Calvary Church, let's let it be something that brings honor to the name of Jesus. Now, Paul next, in verse 2 to verse 3, he goes on to give us some characteristics of individuals and churches that are living up to that high calling that we have as Christians. In verse 2 and verse 3, he unpacks some of what does it look like if we're living that way, if we're giving honor to the name of Jesus, what is it going to look like for us as a church? And he says that a church living in unity, living on mission for Jesus should live with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we're going to unpack a couple of those things. The first one he talks about is humility and gentleness. Isn't humility amazing when you see it? When you know somebody who's humble, you're like, oh my goodness, I just want to be around that person. Humility is that God-given ability to put someone else's needs in front of your own. And it kind of goes together with this idea of gentleness, which is a, a heartfelt consideration for someone else. Now, could you imagine, Calvary, if when someone visited our church, they walk out after coming to service and they say, my goodness, those people in that church are the most humble, gentle people that I have ever met. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that have an attractional power to pull people in to a community where they knew the people were humble and gentle and kind? Or what about the change that it would make in our families if maybe parents once in a while said, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to my kid. I made a mistake. Parents can make mistakes. Did you know that, kids? It would change our families. It would change our church. Because not only is pride the opposite of the gospel, it's the kind of thing that chases people away. Chases people away from families, chases people away from churches. And maybe one of the things that is most lacking in American Christianity is humility. And you know what humility looks like in a church like ours? Humility says, hey, I'm not that good. The guy on the stage, I don't have it all together. And you know what? You don't have it all together either. You're not all that good either. But God is good. And God loves us. And God sees all of our flaws. And he loves, accepts, and forgives us. And that kind of humility, that kind of gentleness, has a way of pulling people in. Because we don't put up any facade. None of us have it all together, and it's okay to admit that, Calvary. The thing that 
comes after humility is this word patience. Patience is a tough one, isn't it? Now, humility is this amazing God-given ability to say, I made a mistake, I'm wrong. But patience is having grace towards someone who did wrong against you. Patience is tough, isn't it? As a church, I mean, the Bible kind of uses this phrase family to describe church a lot. Can anybody agree you need a little patience with family? We're going to need patience, Calvary. Sometimes we're going to hurt one another. Sometimes on purpose. Sometimes by mistake. And as a church, as we make some strides, we've been reading in Ephesians, we're, we're making some strides towards racial reconciliation. We're going to need some patience because we're going to make some mistakes as we go. Or how about this thing called COVID? Anybody need some patience with that? We're going to need patience as a church as we try to figure out what does the fall look like? What does it look like for us to be a worshiping community in the midst of a global pandemic? Or this week, somebody's going to post something on Facebook. It's going to drive you crazy. You're going to want to scream. You're going to want to punch them. This November, somebody's going to vote for somebody that you think should not be elected and, and has no business being in politics. And it's going to drive you crazy. And you know what you're going to need? Patience. Patience. And connected to patience, and you'll, you'll see where this is going, he says that a church that is unified, a church that is living up to its calling, is a church that is bearing with one another in love. Love is hard too, right? Real love is hard. If you want to avoid loving all the difficult people who are surrounding you at Calvary Church this morning, you can move to the mountains of West Virginia. But I don't think that's what God's calling us towards as a church. So if we're going to bear with one another in love, we're going to need something really special to happen here at Calvary. You know what we're going to need? We're going to need God to move in our hearts and bring an infusion of his love into our hearts because we can't be loving one another well if we don't realize that God loves us very well. A few years ago, I had this, this uh, old laptop computer that I've been using for a long time. And, uh, you know, some of you might know that when a computer gets really old, you turn it on, and it sounds like a helicopter is about to take off. It's like, and I knew something was wrong. I knew my computer wasn't working good. And a friend came along, and a friend took my old computer, and he took a new hard drive, and he put the new hard drive into the old computer. And all of a sudden, the capacity of my old busted-up computer to do things was greatly increased because someone had taken something new and put it inside what was old. And you know what? If we are going to love one another, we've got to be dependent on God to infuse us with his love so that we can pour it out for one another. And some of you this morning may just not even really be confident that God loves you. He does. And if that's the only thing that you get from this sermon, if that's the only thing that you walk away with, I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you deeply. Don't try to do all this stuff. Don't try to be a good person without first understanding that he loves you. Because if you do that, you, you're like a hamster on a wheel, working hard and not going anywhere. God loves you. And the final characteristic of a church working together in unity is, a, is that the church is eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That phrase, unity of the Spirit, 
It implies that it's the spirit that causes the unity. The job of Christians is to maintain the unity. The job of the spirit of God is to create the unity. In short, we need the spirit of God to be working here in our church, in our midst, in our hearts, if we are going to have the kind of unity that God is calling us towards as a church. God is the driver of the unity that we're looking for. And we've learned in the past few weeks, God has some really ambitious goals for us as a church, and we need the Holy Spirit. Don't forget this. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us and empower us to do this together. And, and if we think we're going to get through the next six months or the next six minutes of a global pandemic, working through racial reconciliation, dealing with a contentious election season, and the uncertainties of tomorrow, if we think we're going to get through the next six minutes without the Spirit of God guiding our church, we've deluded ourselves. We need God to do this, to build this unity in our church, the kind of unity that only he can do. So step number one for Christians is to live up to our name. Step number two is this. Remember, you share so much in common with other Christians. You share so much in common with believers here at Calvary and also with believers all around the world. You know what you share in common with brothers and sisters in Christ from Nigeria and Tamil Nadu and Ghana and the Ivory Coast? You, you know what you share in common with brothers and sisters who worship Jesus even at this moment in secret because they're not allowed to publicly. You know what you share in common with them? You share the most important things in common. And God does not want us to forget that. Let's read verse 4 to 7. It says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. Wow, that's a lot that we share in common. Now, God is calling us to a, a deep unity as a church, right? There's different levels of unity. When you drive around, have you noticed some people, they have, they have yard signs that say things like, we're all in this together, okay? I'm sure they mean well, and I'm sure you mean well if you have one of those yard signs, but, but there's a unity that is far deeper than having a yard sign that says we're in this together. God is calling us to a unity that is built around a common faith, that is built around a common Jesus. Let me unpack a couple of these things we share in common. Verse 4, one body. If you're not familiar with the church or the language of the Bible, that phrase body is used to refer to the church. The church is called the body of Christ. And the Bible says here that there is one body, there is one church. At the time that Paul was writing this letter, there was a lot of people that wanted there to be multiple churches, like a Jewish church and a non-Jewish church. And Paul's writing and he's saying, hey, there is one church only one. Verse 4, there's one spirit, only one spirit. Now, this might shock you. This means that the Holy Spirit that you have is the same Holy Spirit that your brothers and sisters at Blackrock have, 
or your brothers and sisters at New Vision have, or your brothers and sisters at Shiloh Baptist have, it's the same Holy Spirit, the same one. There's not two Holy Spirits. Verse four, there's one hope. We share a common hope globally. Verse four, there's one Lord. Lord is the phrase used, or the title used to describe Jesus. There's one Jesus. I don't think this will shock any of you, but maybe we need to hear it. There are not multiple Jesuses. There's only one. Now, you might speak another language. You may speak Arabic and call Jesus Isa. Or you may speak Ghanaian or Swahili and call him Yesu. You may call him Yeshua if you speak Hebrew or Jesus if you speak Spanish. But it doesn't matter what language you speak. There's one Jesus who is Lord over the whole church. And I can't stress this enough because our brothers and sisters who may look different than us, who may worship different than us, they are worshiping the same exact Jesus who died on the same exact cross for their sins. And even brothers and sisters that come from different worship traditions within Christianity, they're worshiping the same Jesus. There's not a Baptist Jesus and a Methodist Jesus and a Presbyterian Jesus. There's one Jesus who is Lord over the whole church. And because there's one Jesus, verse 5 says there's only one faith, right? Because the faith that we have, the belief that we have, it derives from that one Jesus. So shocking as this may be, the church down the street that claps a lot when they sing, and the church over there that speaks in tongues when they worship, and the church over there that has a 24-hour prayer meeting every Tuesday, those churches all share one faith that is derived from one Jesus and leads us to profess faith in him through one baptism, verse 5. All of us baptized into Christ. And tying that all together is that there is one God and Father over all. Ultimately, there's only one God who is all of our fathers. In my family, I have two brothers and a sister. There's four of us total. And we all look different. We've got different facial hair things going on. We've got different hair situations going on up top. We sound differently. We have different jobs. We live in different places. We have a lot of differences, but we've all got the same blood flowing through our veins because we all share in one Father. As brothers and sisters in Christ, you've got the same blood flowing through your veins as brothers and sisters on the other side of this town and brothers and sisters on the other side of this planet because we share one Father who loves each of us dearly. So a couple quick implications for us. What does this look like today because of this oneness that we share with the global church and within our own walls? We're heading into some tough times, right? Divisive times. Four things to remember. Number one, don't demonize someone who's your brother or sister in Christ. Don't demonize them. When we get to the end of Ephesians, we're going to find out that Satan is the bad guy in the story. It's not your brothers and sisters in Christ. We know who the enemy is. Don't demonize brothers and sisters in Christ. Number two, don't assume the worst about them. I, I'm just as guilty about this as anybody. Don't assume the worst about someone who has a different opinion than you do. 
And flowing out of that is seek Jesus in them before you see the differences that you have. See Christ in them. And finally, rely on the spirit-given humility that you need to walk through difficult conversations with Christian brothers and sisters. Now, God knows that God knows that unity is really hard. And so God has taken some steps to help us in this area. And we're going to find out what that is in verse 7 to 14. And this is our third action step towards unity. Action step number three as a church towards unity is to appreciate and learn from the leaders that God has given our church. Let me read verse 7 to 14. It says, Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. When he ascended on high, wait, sorry, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? It's talking about Jesus here. Verse 10, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. There's a ton there that we could unpack. We're just going to look at at a couple things very quickly. A lot of us in the church probably are familiar with the idea that God gives spiritual gifts to the church in order for the church to grow into maturity. Now, the unique thing, the cool thing about this passage in Ephesians is that it says the gifts that God gives to the church are specific people. Not just spiritual gifts, but specific people that God has given to the church to help the church grow towards unity and maturity. These people are described as the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And we could spend 15 sermons talking about each one of those roles in the church back then and the church today, but we're not going to do that. Because Paul really tries to focus our attention on the two reasons why God has given leaders to the church in the first century and the church in the 21st century. And the two reasons why God has given the church, Calvary Church, leaders is number one, to equip the saints, verse 12, to equip the saints, which is all of us, for the work of ministry. A lot of people have the wrong idea that it's the job of the pastoral staff to do the ministry and it's the job of the church to be ministered to. But the Bible says that the job of the leaders of the church is to equip the church to do the work of ministry. Right, I'm just pulling this right from the Calvary website. It says the mission of Calvary Church is to equip people so they can pursue God, serve families, and love others. That's why as a church, the mission statement of this church is not to equip the pastors so that they can do all the ministry. It's to equip the church, so that we together as a body can do the work of the ministry. And Paul lays out the second reason why God has given the church leaders to build up the body. 
until we achieve maturity in our understanding of who God is and until we achieve unity as a church. I want you to think about your church leaders as if they were bodybuilders. Got it? Not like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know I have a long ways to go. But God would want you to look at your church leaders as if they were bodybuilders. Their job is to equip the church so that we can do together in unity what God has called us as a church to do. You with me? Verse 14 tells us the reason why this has to happen this way is so that the church won't be like tossed back and forth. It says tossed to and fro, okay, by the waves. Have any of you ever been on a boat without a motor or without a skilled pilot? It, it's terrifying. You know why? Because you're at the mercy of whatever the wind and the waves want to do. And we live in a time and an age where there are a million different ideas out there about what the Bible teaches. And, and you, you know this, every once in a while someone will publish a book or someone will have a podcast or a YouTube channel and they'll say, well, you thought what the Bible said was this, but what it actually says is this. And, and God says that he has given the church this gift of leaders to help the church grow to maturity so that we as a body can sniff out the lies from the truth and walk away from the lies. God has given key people to the church whose job it is to instruct us and help us move along towards maturity. Now, we've been talking a lot about racial reconciliation and unity and prejudice and things of that sort. And a lot of people may feel tempted to think that, oh, yeah, we're just, we're just talking about those things because that's what's cool right now. That's what everybody's talking about. That's the latest fad, the latest wind, the latest thing that's carrying around people these days. They're, everybody's talking about it. So that's why the leaders at Calvary Church are talking about it. But the reason why we're talking about these things is because God's word talks about these things. And the job of the leadership of this church and I can tell you the leaders of this church are committed to helping us as a body grow and understand what the Word of God says and understand how the Word of God applies to this day and age in which we're living. So let me, let me tie this together for us by telling a quick story. The year was 1914. World War I was going. The German and the British soldiers were lined up in trenches only about 100 feet from one another, shooting back and forth. There's tons of soldiers who are laying dead right in the middle, no man's land. And nobody knows exactly for certain how it started, and I'm sure some of you have heard the story. But some German soldiers started singing a Christmas carol because it was Christmas Eve. And the British soldiers in their trenches heard the German soldiers singing this Christmas carol, and after the Germans finished, then the British started singing a Christmas carol, and back and forth they went singing until eventually they realized they were both singing the same song in different languages. And what happened next was really amazing. Some German soldiers laid down their weapons, and they got up out of the trenches, and they walked towards the middle of the battlefield. And when the British saw that this was happening, some British soldiers dropped their weapons and they got up out of their trenches and they walked to the middle of the battlefield. 
and they exchanged Christmas greetings instead of bullets. They started talking to one another. Some people say that they even played a little soccer match. It was really remarkable that their shared celebration and appreciation for Christmas was enough to get them to lay down their hostilities for a little while. But there's something about that story that has always bothered me. And I don't know if it bothers you either. What bothers me about this story is that after January 1st, they started killing each other again. It was a really shallow unity. It was not long-lasting. It was very temporary. And it fell far short of achieving God's ideal of shalom, peace, that is supposed to exist between God's people. And as I have been thinking about this, I realize we need to be very careful as a church that we don't settle for some kind of short-term, shallow unity. We need spirit-created unity, Holy Spirit-created unity in our church that is centered around a core set of beliefs that is centered around the work of Jesus Christ. And in Ephesians, God is calling the church to a kind of humble, gentle, patient, loving unity in which a Democrat and a Republican brother in Christ could worship together here on a Sunday morning and be willing long-term to lay down their arms and listen to one another in love and to stand and be united first and foremost as children of God. God's calling us to the kind of long-term, patient, gentle, kind unity in which diverse people can sit down and listen to the stories of one another without judgment and work towards justice and biblical righteousness. God's calling us to the kind of unity in which a sister may walk up to another sister and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, forgive me. God's calling us to the kind of unity that says, hey, I'll wear a mask from now until Jesus comes back if it makes my brother and sister in Christ feel loved and welcomed and appreciated. God's calling us to do what we started out seeing in verse 1, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. When you see the word walk in Ephesians, it's not talking about a little walk. The word walk in Ephesians means your lifestyle. It's the way that you live, and God's calling us to a lifestyle of this unity that is centered around Jesus and results in the fruit of love and patience and kindness and gentleness. So I have a couple next steps for you to think about this week, if you're brave enough this week. Some daring next steps. Number one is this. Take 15 minutes. Find, find someone you trust and take 15 minutes with verse 15. We didn't have time to unpack verse 15 today. Find someone you trust this week Get 15 minutes with them, whether it's on Zoom, a phone call, or in person. And I want you 
to read verse 15 together. Verse 15 talks about how the goal of all of this is so that we would grow up into Christ, so that we would be like Christ. And I want you to find someone you trust this week, and I want you to ask them, what are some ways in the last six months that you have seen me growing to be more like Christ? Some of you need encouragement. You need someone other than yourself to look at your life and say, hey, God is working here. God is working in our church. God is working in your lives. And, and some of you just need someone to say, I see him working in this way. Let's thank God together, okay? So get, five, get 15 minutes with someone you trust and get some encouragement from them about how God is already working in your life. And, and if you're really, really brave, my second my second takeaway for us is this. Read these 16 verses again that we studied this morning. Is there one, one idea that God is just causing to jump out in your mind? Like, it's one, one thing that you know, you're like, I'm not living worthy of my name as a follower of Jesus in this area. Maybe it's, maybe it's in your thoughts, maybe it's in your attitude, maybe it's with your family. I don't know where it is, but there's something jumping out to you. So I want you to to read through this passage again. What is that one area where God is pressing you? Maybe he's calling you to greater levels of unity or love or patience or gentleness. Now, nobody goes to driving school so that they can sit in the passenger seat their whole life, right? Did anybody go to driving school so you can sit in the passenger seat? Nobody goes to driving school just to learn the rules of the road. We go to driving school so that we can do it, right? Nobody should go to church just to learn about unity, learn that we should be gentle and kind and humble people. The reason we go to church is to learn that's God's standard for us. Now now we got to walk in it, right? God is calling us to walk in this. So, So if you've got the courage this week, pick out that one area that you know you're feeling it right now. God is pressing on your heart. And tell that person that you're meeting with for 15 minutes, tell that person, this is the part of my life where I am praying that God will help me to walk in greater love, unity, humility, whatever it is, and pray together about it. It doesn't do any good to say we're we're united or we believe in unity unless we're living it out and we're acting on it. So let's walk in it. Because I think that as we walk in it as a church, the divisive culture that surrounds us, it just might notice that there's something different happening here at Calvary Church. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that nobody will take this as a set of rules or a list of things to do. I pray that first and foremost, each person would know that they are loved by you and that out of that love, would flow a transformation. God, that out of that love would flow the humility and the gentleness and all the fruits of the Holy Spirit that we know we need to be pursuing. And God, we do pray for our church in this divisive season. Lord, we pray that we would stand together in unity, centered around Jesus, centered around love for one another, and that we would be a beacon of light and an alternative to a world that doesn't even know where to begin to be united. 
Thank you for what you've done on the cross, Jesus. Amen.